Welcome to Real Life Moms. I'm your host, Lisa Foster. And Real Life Moms is a podcast that's all about moms having real conversations, sharing resources, and telling their inspiring stories. Our mission is to connect moms by talking about these topics that parents deal with every day and to continue these conversations in our Real Life Moms Facebook group, where we would love for you to become part of our community. And this week, I'm joined by Dr. Melissa Riley, who is a mom of two boys, a clinical psychologist, and a Moms Without a Mom coach. She is passionate about helping mothers who don't have the support and guidance of a loving mother in their day-to-day life move from feelings of insecurity, isolation, and overwhelm to a place of resilience. And today, we are here to discuss raising a child when you are a mom without a mom. Hi, Melissa. It's wonderful to have you today on Real Life Moms, and you help a very special group of moms, and these are moms without moms, whether they are separated from their mothers by physical distance, estrangement, or death, and you help them deal with challenges of parenting while not having that essential support system from their own mothers. So if you could share a little bit about yourself and how you became even interested in Moms Without Moms. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. I so appreciate the opportunity to talk with your audience today. Um, I am super passionate about helping moms without a mom for a variety of reasons. First and foremost is because I myself am a mom without a mom. And for the first number of years after giving birth to my son, I didn't realize or recognize that there were differences between those of us that don't have the support and guidance of a loving mom in day life as compared to others that do. And so I was left feeling badly about myself and felt like there was something wrong with me because things were just so difficult. And honestly, I was surprised by this. So I, I, I can give you a little background if that's okay. That would be wonderful. Yeah. So I was a later to life, uh, later in life mom. I focused primarily uh, the beginning part of my life on becoming a clinical psychologist. So I went through graduate school, did all the things, um, was working, had a private practice, and I didn't. Um, have my son until just a couple days shy of 38. So my mom had passed away when I was in my mid-20s. And so I had many years since she had passed when I had done a lot of grief work. You know, I had gotten married, got my first professional job, I had several moves. So I had a lot of changes in my life that I went through that my mother wasn't part of. So I knew what that was like. And then I became pregnant, and that experience was was really difficult for me. I had three miscarriages and um, really began to recognize how alone that I felt mm-hmm. and didn't have my mother to talk with about those experiences. Yeah. And then when I had my son, I experienced very early on a significant grief process that threw me off guard because like I said, the loss had been many, many years prior. Um, 
And I had gone through all of that. Mm-hmm. So when I was pregnant, honestly, and this might sound silly, I'm sure some of your, your audience will probably laugh at this, but I was pretty confident. I was like, you know, here I am, you know, I know who I am as a woman, right? I've already gone through, you know, the, the earlier in life confidence stuff. I, I feel mm-hmm. good. I'm a psychologist. I mean, I've treated hundreds of women that have gone through early motherhood. In fact, I even taught um, human development at the graduate level. So I had all this knowledge. Yeah, you were, you were ready. You were ready. I yeah. was ready. And then when it happened, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was, I was so debilitated, felt so debilitated by this experience of inadequacy, insecurity. I didn't feel like I knew anything. And it was some of the most difficult times in my life even after having gone through a lot of losses. And again, without being able to identify or name it or even know it was a thing, it wasn't until later that I recognized um, through my my clinical practice and having the opportunity to work with a a number of moms um, who also didn't have their mom. And I, I wasn't intending to do that. That's just how it played out. That I started realizing that there were these patterns and that there were these commonalities. And so the psych nerd in me started doing <laughs> some research um, to see, oh, okay, what, so what's out there? What does this all mean? Yeah. And unfortunately, there is not a lot of information out there. I got excited about it. I thought, you know, this, this is what I want to do. I, I want, I don't ever want other moms to feel as badly as I felt. Um, and like I said, I had a lot of resources behind me and I still felt that horrible. And so yeah. again, the only answer I had while going through it was there was just something wrong with me. And the level of shame I felt around that was so intense. Well, and I have to say, I mean, just listening to your story to start with, I mean, miscarriages, you had three. I personally also had two miscarriages And that alone felt so lonely. But the people I, the only person I told was besides my husband, obviously, who's part of this, Mm -hmm. um, was, was my mom. Nobody knew because I felt very alone in it. Like I didn't realize how common it was and, you know, just wasn't something I discussed until much later on. So not having my mom for just that part of this, um, besides actually having the child, um, is, is so lonely, so lonely. So that alone, I feel like is so hard. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because we talk, you know, those um, women who have a, a relationship, a, a close loving relationship with their mom, often talk frequently with their mm-hmm. mom, right? They, they confide, there's an emotional connection, there's a shared history. It's a relationship that is unlike any other relationship in life, typically. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, for those individuals that have a mother, but they don't have an emotional relationship with them. So this includes, um, you know, moms that have uh, histories of emotional abuse or toxicity, or they become emotionally estranged. Mm-hmm. I include them in the group of mothers that are moms without a mom mm-hmm. um, because they're, they have this. Um, the same common features that moms 
without a mom whose mom's passed away do as well. So when you talk about, I mean, recently we've done some podcasts on like postpartum anxiety and postpartum Mm -hmm. depression. How did you tease out that what you were feeling wasn't that, and, and it was this grief that you were feeling and missing having that mom connection? That is an excellent question because it can be really difficult um, to tease out because grief um, can be tricky. It can hide. It looks different than what people expect. Um, So acute grief, um, we think about as crying and tearful and not being able to function. However, uh, grief is something we experience when we are faced with a loss Now, loss doesn't um, have to be death. It can be the loss of a relationship. It can be the loss of an expected relationship. Um, It can be the loss of something we thought we would have in our life. And grief has both emotional symptoms as well as physical symptoms. But part of what differentiates grief is that piece of, of longing, of memory, of connectedness to the lost object, the lost thing. Um, Mm. I may not be thinking about my mom in the moment, but there could be something going on that triggers a memory um, that's just fleeting, but it can change my entire mood, Mm -hmm. even if I don't continue to think about it. Like my whole, my body changes, my energy, attention, uh, irritability, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I was at high risk for uh, postpartum depression and anxiety because of you know, um, a number of factors, including you know, my, you know, the losses I had had, my, the miscarriages and just other medical conditions. So I was very much um, prepared and watchful for it. And my symptoms didn't, they didn't align with typical postpartum or, or um, anxiety symptoms. They were more focused on what I didn't have. So it wasn't a matter of any kind of bonding or disconnection. Um, it, it was more that loss from prior that was just becoming all consuming. Yeah. My, you know, my mom lives, I know you, you include like living away, right. As part yes. of this too. Um, yes. So that's my experience. Uh, you know, my mom lives in another state than I do. And, you know, having kids, she's emotionally been there because I am one of those talkers. I will mm-hmm. call her often, you know, especially when they were younger, I could vent, you know, and she could just listen. And that was really a great emotional support. What do you find that like some uh, someone that does not have their mom around for whatever reason it is, is really struggling the most with? Well, there are three common factors that I've found uh, amongst the vast majority of women who don't have their mom in their day-to-day life. And the first one is the experience of a resurgence of grief, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be, um, like I said, something that, that we recognize as grief, or it can be something that's, that's subtle and just is this underlying weight and drain on us. The, the second thing is the lack of a go-to person. Mm. And this is typically the thing that most people will identify easiest as their biggest struggle, right? I don't have my mom in my life when I need her to help me. 
because mothers function as people that we get assistance from. They function as somebody that we get advice and guidance from. Mm -hmm. They function as an emotional supporter. And they also function as the person we can call upon anytime, typically day or night. Yeah. And, and so the lack of that, that um, built-in community, right, um, yeah. we're not having that community within one person. Mm-hmm. And then the third factor is difficulty with feeling comfortable with who um, you are as a mom. Mm. So all moms, in part, recognize and figure out who they are based on what they've experienced, either through being mothered or being able to mirror off their mother as they are now. Mm. Good or bad, it doesn't matter um, the relationship you had with your mother growing up. It still impacts you once you become a mother. And that isn't something that most people recognize as a concern. But as um, I've been talking more and more, you know, dig a little bit deeper. There is this big um, void, this, this sense of, ooh, how am I like her? How am I not like her? You know, if, if I really admired and, and had a great relationship with my mom, but now I'm doing things different and she's died, is it a betrayal? You know, there's just all mm. these different things that are tied up in that you know if if my mom was just a really bad mom and and okay so so now I want to be different but then I hear myself and sometimes I hear that part of my mom and then that can create all this angst and and fear like oh my goodness am I doing to my own kids what my mom did to me (laughs) so it's like all this baggage that becomes really heavy Mm -hmm. Um, again it's in the background it's like this white noise that that just is impacting us that we don't realize until something happens. And then it just becomes overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Kind of that, that feeling that, 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 that deep sense of shame I was feeling was, was yeah. all of that. And I'm listening to this, um, you know, cause I feel that way you know? mm-hmm. and, you know, just like, Oh, I don't want to do that. You know, if there's something specific, maybe you grew up with it. You don't really want to pass along to your mm-hmm. kids. Right. I mean, I feel that too. How, how is the, how do you feel that differs between someone who, you know, has their mom in their life and someone who doesn't? Yeah. Because if there's an issue that your mother has, because you're doing things different, you can address it with her. Right. She's there still. You can talk about it. Yes. Absolutely. And you have a shared history, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, there's that, that sense of, and, and, you know, most of your moms listening will, will see this, you know, oh my goodness, I can't believe my parents are so much better to my kids than they ever were to me, right? Right. That, that grandparents get this opportunity to rectify the mistakes they made with their own kids because they're no longer stressed by raising them yes. with their grandkids. So a mom without a mom doesn't have that experience. So they aren't able to repair or heal or address any of those lingering wounds that they have from their own childhood with their living parent. So they have to do this with their parent in abstention, you know, and if their parent is living, but they're estranged, again, they, they can't 
do it because it's it's just going to create toxicity or conflict. Now, you know, um, for those that live physically distant from from their mom, this is an area that there's the potential to to work through. But but um, because technology is what it is and it's helping to bridge some of that, but it's it's still you know not as rich as as being in the same area uh, because you're still lacking uh, the shared experience of your own child with your mom. Mm-hmm. Right. right I'm sure this not. is something you can relate to Lisa is how many times were you at an activity, you know, with, with your littles and they didn't have your mom and, mm-hmm. and you want to look up and just, you know, nobody cares about your kids as much as you do, except maybe, you know, other than your spouse. Right. But, but a grandparent. Right. Yeah. Your mom. Yes. And I know, and I know she feels it too, you know, not being able to come to that graduation or birthday or, Mm -hmm. you know, she, she does when she can, but you know, you're definitely not there for everything because we don't live in the same state. So I'm sure, you know, it's, it's hard for the mom, mom, (laughs) Right. The mom's mom. Right. As well as the mom. Right. And the kids. So, yeah. And then you talk a lot about, you know, I I keep hearing like community and having people like physically helping you as Mm -hmm. well as part of this um, that they struggle with as well. Um, And I feel that because obviously I have the emotional support from my mom, but physically she is not here. And I have I had to rely a lot on friends to help me or daycare even, (laughs) you know, to help me. Um, What are the recommendations that you recommend for moms without moms or that have that physical distance? I recommend that all moms, but especially moms that don't have their mom in their day-to-day life, um, have four women or, or people, they don't have to be women, but, but, I, you know, I think there's some benefits to that, but four women in their life. Um, and I include them to be uh, the first one I like to call the wise woman. So this is somebody who knows things. So mm. she has knowledge. She has experience. She is very generous with the guidance that she gives. And, and this can be friend. It can be professionals for me in many ways. Um, it was the teachers at my son's early learning center. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it can be counselors, coaches, you know, psychologists, it, it doesn't matter. But the wise woman, you know, it could be an aunt. Um, she knows stuff. Mm-hmm. So the second person I like to call the emotional supporter. So this is the person that will just listen. She doesn't try to give advice. And she doesn't try to cheer you up. She just lets you be where you are. And that is so important. Mm-hmm. And then the third person I like to call the go-getter. <laughs> this is the person um, that has tons of energy and can get so many things done. So this is the kind of person that by 12 noon, they've already done five loads of laundry, gotten their kids to three activities, and still was able to get, you know, three hours of work done. 
um, that isn't me. But we all know those people, right? That that just like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe what you what you do. So these and, are the people. and sometimes I think these people are people that don't have kids yet. Actually, <laughs> well, some sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. right? But but there are those moms out there that just again because of their personality dynamic mm-hmm. are just really good at doing things, and they feel best when they're active and doing. Yes, and they tend to be also very generous with helping you out with tasks. And then the fourth person I like to call the late night talker. And this is the person that can be available um, at odd times at different times. And in today's world, that's becoming a little bit easier. So for example, I have a friend in Australia, I have a friend in Scotland. So um, I can text or we use WhatsApp or Voxer or, or different ways of communicating. Um, you know, in different Facebook groups, you have people that are on there all the time. So if, if it's not the old fashioned dial on the telephone, you can connect with people that are on just different schedules. So I think that's really important for particularly for moms that have young babies, because mm-hmm. you know, they can feel so lost in that. So I have a, a funny story about um, about my own wise woman experience. <laughs> okay, great. So my son was, oh goodness, about six months old, I guess. Um, and I had to take my maternity leave before he was born because I was on bed rest for most of the pregnancy. So I had to go back pretty early. And I nursed him a breastfed when he was with me. But, you know, when, when he was at school, you know, I pumped and, and he had bottles, but I never gave him a bottle. So anyway, so... One day when I was um, picking him up, his teacher said, you know, Melissa, what are, what are your thoughts about going up on a nipple size? Nipple <laughs> size. Literally, my jaw dropped. What? What are you talking about? What's a nipple size? I had no idea what she was talking about. None. I didn't know that bottle nipples came in different sizes. I didn't know the whole <laughs> one up. And, and. I just, I looked at her. I mean, literally, and at that moment, I, I wanted to cry. I felt so stupid. And so she explained to me, um, she said, you know, he's having trouble, you know, eating. He, he tires himself out. It's taking a really long time. You know, you, you're supposed to go up in the nipple size, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, can you help me? Can you, t- what do I ask for? I'm going to go to the store. What do I ask for? Because I have no idea. What is he doing now? You know? So she walked me through it and I got to the car and I did cry. And again, it was that sense of shame. I was like, how could I not know this? Mm-hmm. But how would I know it? Right. You no, were my, breastfeeding. Yeah. There right. were no nipples. <laughs> exactly. Your own. exactly. And I didn't, I didn't have a mom, you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have other uh, female uh, family. And my friends that had children, they were teenagers and young adults by the time my son was born. Right. So it wasn't something that I was going through with others. Mm-hmm. That I felt close enough talking about my, you know, breastfeeding experience. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and don't feel bad because for my second child, <laughs> I walked into daycare and they, thank God for them, just FYI. But they said to mm-hmm. me, um, oh, your son had an accident today. And I was like, oh, no, like looking for blood. Like, what, what do you mean hey, an hey. accident, Right. They're like, yeah. no, he wet his pants. And I'm like, he's two at the time. And I purposely was not potty training because I feel like my daughter took forever. I was like, I don't have the patience to do this right, right. now. I'm right. going to wait. 
Well, apparently he's potty trained, had one accident. They're like, hey, you should really bring underwear. I'm like, underwear? I mean, I didn't do not potty train my son. They did all of it. So this is a second time mom and I have a mom. And yes, (laughs) did not potty train my son. So yes, the nipple thing, you're okay. Good for you. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I can can laugh about it now, right? And, And I, you know, I... And, you know, so supportive of those moms, because sometimes we just, we, we don't know what we don't know, mm-hmm. right? Until we're, until we're faced with it. And so, mm-hmm. again, if, if, we, if we aren't able to make sense of it in, in some kind of way, then we just feel badly about it. So the wise woman was one of your mm-hmm. good guides. What was another essential? The, the one of wise these? woman, mm-hmm. the emotional supporter. Yeah. And the go-getter, and um, the late-night talker. Now, for most of us, we don't fit the bill for all of those. Now, sometimes our mom can fit the bill because, again, it's a different relationship. We have shared history, emotional connection. There's all of that. But any other relationship doesn't typically fit all of those features. So it becomes important to recognize um, the strengths in our friends so that we can ask for assistance in ways that they are more easily able to give it. So for example, mm-hmm. the person that, you know, I know I could call on in a, you know, in a moment to, to help me, you know, with the five loads of laundry that are piling up or to uh, pick up my son because I had an emergency at work. Um, mm-hmm. Isn't the same person that I call when I'm feeling really down about something. So knowing that really helps you get the support that you need, but it also makes it easier for the people giving the support. Yeah, because you're giving them the opportunity to do the thing that they do naturally. Really. Exactly. Yes. And it, it's also important to know that about ourselves. Like, I know I'm not a go-getter. Mm-mm. You know, when people are asking for help, physical help isn't my strong suit because mm-hmm. I'm not good at that stuff. But at this point, you know, I fit the bill for wise woman in many ways, but also emotional supporter, man, I am there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to pick the emotional supporter as well. And so I'm putting it out there for all the friends and moms listening. If they need me for that, sign me up. (laughs) Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because late night talker, I'm asleep, you know, so (laughs) that's, that's not going to be me. Yes. It, you know, unless you've got listeners that are on the different side of the globe, right? right? Then it does work out. Yes. Yes. That is true. So for you, just on a personal note, um, what do you feel like you missed out on like when raising your sons without your mom? Oh, I missed sharing the experience with my mom. My mom for, for most of my life, um, we were very, very close. And then the eight months prior to her death, we became, we had a huge falling out and we became estranged um, and we barely talked. And unfortunately, we did not have the opportunity to um, remedy that before she died um, because she died um, rather suddenly. And as a young woman, she was only 51. So, yeah. So I really missed being able to ask her questions to be able to just gush about him to her mm-hmm. um, because 
you know, other people get tired of listening to the stories or, you know, they don't want to see the 17 versions of the same picture. <laughs> right. But my mom would have. And I didn't have that. And that mm. made me sad. Yeah. And again, I didn't have anywhere to go with that. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I, I mean, I have my mom. My dad passed away before I had kids. And I think one thing that's hard is that that he never got to see them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be, I think, for me, something I really missed, you know. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, in reverse, your children didn't get to see or meet their maternal grandfather. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I do very often um, is I tell a lot of stories about my deceased family members mm-hmm. and I will talk about, oh, you know, you know, you're uh, both my, my sisters are, are deceased as well. So um, my son really likes um, video games. He's a retro gamer. So he likes a lot <laughs> of the really old stuff. It cracks me up. So he plays a lot of the games that my sister would play. Um, and I was never a big gamer, but but she enjoyed, you know, the Nintendo games, Mario Brothers. Oh, yeah, so yeah. He's like playing the exact same stuff. So I will, you know, often say, oh, my goodness, you and your Aunt Jen would have, you know, been battling this out. And so, um, you know, I love when we'll be doing something and he'll just randomly mention, you know, you know, one of one of those family members just on his own because mm-hmm. they're they're alive to him in his head yeah and, and I think that's really important so what do you want moms to just know well first of all that they are not alone and that there isn't something wrong with them that the differences they feel you know they feel different because they are different um so it's important to know that you are okay and that what you are experiencing is normal for a mom that is without a mom. Mm -hmm. And so reach out, you know, create intentionally your mom community, get the support that you need. And, you know, if you're struggling with things like grief and, and, you know, who you are as a mom, then reach out and, and work on those things, get some assistance so that, you aren't missing the pleasure and joy in these years with your kids because they just go so fast. Yeah, they do. They do. And you, I mean, you're very unique because you work so closely with this population. Mm -hmm. So I did look at your website and you have some really great resources. Can you maybe share some of your services that you provide and some of your resources that you have? Yes, absolutely. So first and foremost, because I am very um, passionate about supporting moms, is I offer a free no sales call. It's simply a 30 minute call just so that I can support you. So if you're struggling with something, you don't know what to do, you're not sure what's going on, or if you just want to feel validated, give me a call and, and I will be there for you. So that's complimentary, completely free. Um, and then I have two, two guides, one for, for new moms, which, which I love. It's um, called the care for yourself while you're caring for your baby. And so, you know, self-care is one of these big buzzwords nowadays, but often people think about it as, as a way of taking care for, you know, having alone time while they take care of themselves a lot of moms without a mom, you know, they can't, they can't have that alone time. So they have to be able to 
do that self-care while they're caring for their baby. And so there are six strategies in that guide that assist you in caring for yourself while your baby is with you in the room. Um, So I think that's an awesome one for for awesome. Yeah. And that's completely free. And the second guide that I have that's also free is uh, enjoy being a mom again, quick guide. And Mm. this is really helpful for moms at any age, you know, that, that have children of any age when they find themselves having a hard time staying present um, in their life because their mind drifts to um, the difficulties and the struggles that being a mom without a mom entails. Mm -hmm. And so this provides a a five-step path to being more present and bringing your awareness to the things that warm your heart rather than um, make you uncomfortable. Wow. These both sound amazing. Um, So they can find, you can find this Mm -hmm. on your website. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. My website, momswithoutamom.com. Yes. Great. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. And what I always like to ask moms that come on here is what is your favorite parenting resource? Okay. So Mm -hmm. this, you know, it's, I, I have, I have a few. Um, <laughs> That's a one, fun. you know, one is more local, um, individual. So I, I think the professionals in your children's lives is a huge resource. So whether they be daycare providers, early learning centers, teachers, counselors, um, therapists, they are a huge resource. And um, I think often moms can struggle to reach out to get assistance from those people. So that, that, that's a huge, and they were a huge help to me. So that's mm-hmm. one. The, the second is my faith community was huge and, mm-hmm. and it was a huge um, resource. And so if you have a faith community, a spiritual community, I certainly recommend reaching out and connecting with those as well. Yeah. And then when my son was, was a baby, my, my favorite book in the world was um, the baby book by mm. doctors uh, Sears, you know, both oh. Sears and Martha Sears. So I love that. book. Yeah. The baby book. Oh, is that the yeah. one that gives like, if you have a rash, you look it up and it tells you what it might be. Is that that one? Um, it, it's got some stuff like that in it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I don't know if it's the one you're thinking about, but okay. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. That's a great, great resources, all of them. And let's face facts, right? Those care providers, you know, potty train, feed our kids and tell (laughs) us all the great things that we need to know that we don't at the time. So that's great. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. And just for all you're doing for this real specific community of moms. It's so, it's just, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome what you're doing, helping out moms. Well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about it because, again, it's something that's so near and dear to my heart. And I, I, I love talking about it. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. I love that Melissa has shared her experience and her own journey of what it's like to be a mom without a mom. Melissa shares some valuable resources and she also has free guides. So don't forget to visit her website at momswithoutamom.com.